0: questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. It has been almost 50 years since we landed on the moon, and 16 since the attacks on 9-11. Do you believe the official story about both events? Those who would reject this hypothesis simply because the government and NASA would never lie to us about this or that, clearly do not have a lucid understanding of history. They lied about the JFK assassination. They lied about the Vietnam War, the Gulf of Duncan incident. They lied about 9-11. They lied about Iraq, demonstrating a clear history of establishment subterfuge. Now, this hoax claim does contain a fair bit of conjecture, and we should be careful to separate that from fact. We sometimes, too easily, fall into trap of dismissing someone as a tin hatter, without looking at the data, on the more glaring concerns, either a, they destroyed mission data, schematics and footage, because they were covering their trail, or b, they were trying to keep the technology from their rivals. Lest we forget, there was a cold war going on at the time. B seems slightly more unlikely, because of the immense effort it would take to get to the moon. One would not wish to jettison all that information. Also, why haven't we returned to the moon? Either A, it was a ridiculously expensive exercise the first time, with no real tangible benefits for any government wishing to go on such a mission, or B, they didn't go the first time. One would think subsequent missions would be more cost-effective because of all the available mission data from the first mission, just like with JFK, Man-11, etc., perhaps we will never know conclusively greetings i'm your host mel fabregas and to listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material you know what to do by now just go to veritasradio.com and subscribe and to dissect all of this tonight's special guest is morgan reynolds phd a professor emeritus at texas a m university and former director of the criminal justice center at the national center for policy analysis headquartered in Dallas, Texas. He served as chief economist for the U.S. Department of Labor during 2001 and two under George W. Bush's first term. His website is linked at VeritasRadio.com and he joins us directly from Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. Hello, Professor Reynolds, and welcome to Veritas.
1: Good to be with you, Mel. Thanks for the invitation. I always enjoy a conversation about weighty
0: matters. (laughs) Absolutely. May I call you Morgan, by the way?
1: Yes, please do.
0: Thank you. Well, first of all, were you able to discuss all of these topics now that you are retired? I mean, back when you were not retired, you were teaching. Were you able to discuss all these topics that we'll be dissecting tonight?
1: You know, it was a matter of uh, me learning as I went. Uh, I was, f- I felt free on economic issues, including economic policy analysis. For example, uh, that was part of my income was uh, being a policy uh, wonk for the National Center for Policy Analysis, which is a market-oriented uh, uh, firm a nonprofit um think tank. So uh, that says there was some – there's a high degree of intellectual freedom. But I've got to say, when I retired, I felt liberated. Now I could uh, go step outside of my uh, trained role as an economist and uh, go uh, much more widely and boldly. And if I'd stayed on the faculty, um, actually, you know, one of the things that happened was uh, Robert Gates was president of Texas A&M University in uh, 04 or 05 when I did this article that uh, got some notoriety, uh, got some notice. It it, uh, went outside my normal uh, readership or bounds. And uh, people, a few people played it up as a former Bush uh, Cheney official questions nine eleven, and uh, uh, Robert Gates, of course, the s- famous CIA spook, and uh, I guess a couple of uh, terms as DOD secretary, and uh, a man I don't respect. He's a smart guy, operator, but after that, it plummets. Uh, at any rate, he said uh, that anyone who uh, questions 9-11 is beyond the pale. That was the shorthand version. And that, that's on my uh, blog, uh, nomoregames.net. You can find it there. But uh, uh, that shows uh, the – and I, I actually criticized that in this uh, volume, uh, American Intellectual Speak Out on 9-11, let me pick that up. The well, very well-known David Ray Griffin and Peter Dale, Dale Scott uh, edited this volume. It's called "9/11: An American Empire." Intellectuals speak out, and uh, that article is on my uh, blog. But there, uh, what, what did I call that? It was uh, my point about it was that Gates didn't live up to the mission statement at Texas A&M University and uh, the article is called 911 Texas A&M University and heresy. Here he's saying this uh most important political event of uh, the 21st century is all wrapped up we all we all know what we saw. <laughs> that was part of his statement. But hey, this is an important uh it's it's the most important political event uh of the 21st century. So that shows, uh, that, that, that helps us get a bearing on how liberated I was. So I, and, uh, you know, Bobby Kennedy once said, uh, I quote him in uh, one of the articles that uh, he says uh, that uh, in effect, hey, you know, the, the world I thought I was dealing with, I found out it wasn't the real world. So uh 911 was uh, had a big impact on me um in, in that once I uh left my job as chief economist uh at the US Department of Labor which was uh, kind of fun but it was uh I was just intellectual armor for secretary uh, Elaine Chao who stayed on two uh, both Bush terms and now she's the Secretary of Transportation right she's a highly respectable person but she's uh not going to shake anything up or, or do anything uh, dramatic to f- to fix us up and there's lord knows there's uh lots of problems with the US and the world um so it, it's been very liberating and uh I along with Bobby Kennedy and many others have learned a lot uh in the last 16 years
0: Bobby Kennedy of course uh Somebody who's really pushing forward the anti-vaccine movement and the fact that I'm saying this not because I'm an anti uh, that movement. I'm totally in favor of uh, not vaccinating, but that's I I get attacked all the time. And when I look at California and the fact that they're doing it in a compulsory manner there, uh, that's that's beyond my my. My logic, a couple of things that that just occurred to me. Number one, now since we're talking about, you mentioned Bobby Kennedy, your take on mandatory vaccination, and number two, having been a chief economist, your take on the Federal Reserve and the bubbles that we continue to experience every few decades.
1: Oh, now the Federal Reserve, yeah, that's the um, fount of evils, the work of the devil. <laughs> to be dramatic about it uh that that if i were elected president which ain't going to happen uh naturally but uh that'd be my first goal would be to get rid of the federal reserve because printing funny money is the uh, the source of the welfare warfare state which is unsustainable uh anyway, both aspects of it of course are uh, we are headed to uh Uh, A complete meltdown, Uh, ultimately, the federal government. We just passed the $20 trillion national debt mark. And then that doesn't even include these uh, $150 trillion worth of promises uh, that the welfare state has made. And uh, what ultimately happens is that uh, there is going to be a default. It's either a hard default or soft default. So this goes beyond... Uh, the, the problem uh, that business cycles, the boom bust, is is uh, a product of artificially low interest rates and uh, funny money. You know, they, the, the the problem started uh, uh, in recent history. Well, there's a continuum. Hey, when they founded it, uh, we know that there's going to be problems. Uh, that the uh, we we need honest money, and that means gold, basically. Okay, silver's a tag along. I like silver too, uh, but precious metals limit. They haven't found a way to print uh, gold, so uh, that's the the. It's the people's money ultimately. That's what p- people prefer, and as late as the. Uh, uh 1910 or thereabouts uh 40 uh, percent of the money supply was gold and silver it's that's real money okay so uh the federal reserve uh be, be, the, hey how can you borrow 20 trillion dollars well uh the, the the reason is that the people the the bondholders and the uh, uh, treasury bill holders, in other words, the lenders, uh, believe that they will be uh, – their money is safe. They're, uh, they'll get it back plus uh, interest uh, bec- because of the Federal Reserve. So if you put the uh, – you get rid of the Federal Reserve and you have real money – uh, of course, during wars, these uh, historically, these governments would go off. Like, Let's take the Civil War, the War of Yankee Aggression, however labeled. Uh, th- th- that was the greenback, and Lincoln was the greenback president. But uh, there, there was enough morality, uh, bourgeois standards that um, these governments would always uh, return after some years. Uh, to the uh, precious metal standard, and uh, let me make one more point. Richard Nixon, uh, hey, when he uh, August fifteenth, nineteen seventy one, he cut the last link between the U.S. dollar and gold, even though it was a, it's a the international gold standard. It only mattered between governments. But it really mattered. Uh, you had to uh, restrain your uh, printing uh, because, hey, a, a government like France would come by and say, hey, I want to turn in all these dollars for gold. And that's when Nixon closed the gold window. Well, that freed the Federal Reserve from the last respectability constraint to print. So that's why we are it's an absurd uh, situation now what where um, our our federal reserve chieftains including the current one, the school marm um, Yellen, it's it, uh, they they don't have a clue you know it's just they are uh, Keynesian slash monetarists with, without uh, the the old fashioned uh, links I'm talking about. they don't uh, they they think they can uh, centrally manage the economy there's no reason for example to have government any government bureau or call it a private banking bureau to uh, uh, target or manage interest rates that should just be an interaction it should be a market phenomenon it's the most important price it penetrates throughout the economy and it's simply an interaction between uh, savers and uh, ultimately investors borrowers and lenders. So there's there's no uh, real point to it, except government, of course, uh, has a close link with banking. It's (laughs) follow the money, follow the money.
0: In retrospect, when you look at Nixon, by the way, let me just say this from the beginning. It's such a breath of fresh air to be speaking with somebody who comes directly from academia, but who speaks the truth, and I'm not sensing that you're trying to 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 change your words, to pacify the authority. Uh, you know, I've, I've had many professors who I've interviewed in the past, and you can tell. You can tell they walk a fine line. And I'm glad that you're speaking without any censorship, and I appreciate that. Let's hope that all the interview can be like that. But speaking of Nixon and, and the end of the convertibility of U.S. dollars, do you think he made a golden error by doing this and the reason was to finally remove the last last leash that the Federal Reserve had
1: I doubt Nixon uh, was uh, shrewd enough uh, to really think his way through it and he was surrounded by uh, the, the same uh, the same Keynesian uh, mentality uh, I'm trying to remember the uh, one professor at uh, University of Michigan at the time was it Gardner Ackley? Uh, I think so. Uh, a famous uh, macroeconomic uh, textbook author. And I don't think Nixon, uh, you know, Nixon was a, a, in many ways a clever politician, but I don't think he was principled or tutored in uh, monetary uh, matters to have a, a real, you know, ideological uh, position on it I might be wrong but that that would fit with uh, Nixon more generally and uh, so he he just did the expedient thing you know he had more important he thought more important matters like uh, managing the Vietnam War getting us out of it recognizing China and and so on that was uh, his main um, you know, contributions. You could say the legacy. What's going to be my legacy? So it was an easy, uh, short-term expedient to close the uh, gold window. And besides, you know, he he that included a package with wage and price controls. That shows you how how little they knew. You know, oh yeah, you know, big business is raising prices. This is a, no, it. No, it's it has to do with uh, supply and demand for money. And inflation is, uh, as Milton Friedman said, uh, is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. So he took the easy way out. uh wasn't a real interest of his. Now, they, you could have uh, sustained this and it would have been a temporary suspension and we got to get our house in order. And there's nothing wrong with deflation, even though uh, the the powers that be constantly, oh my goodness, we can't have a, a falling price level. Hey, well, hey think about the uh, the common um, people. Come on, we, we all enjoy falling prices, and it's not all the objections are are, are ridiculous. And uh, uh, capitalism, properly understood, of course. Um, does involve economic growth, entrepreneurship, technological advance, um, savings being converted uh, pretty more or less wisely into uh, productive assets, uh, rising real wages, Uh, lots of good things that um, most people would concur in. Hey, this is the way. And higher productivity with a constant money supply. Once the thing is money, you don't need any more. It can really only uh, destroy the uh, wealth-producing process. So um, the whole thing about the the, the rationale for the Fed, uh, I am in the process right now of destroying. <laughs> so, and it, and it's because hey, I, I I know a lot about the marketplace, and uh, uh, many people, of course, um, uh, at least once upon a time in the universities, once they encounter a a free-market-oriented economist, they change their politics.
0: Most Americans, they don't really understand the Federal Reserve. To me, the USA was hijacked in 1913. And most people, and most politicians, if they want to come out as, you know, saviors for the American people, they say, we need to audit the Federal Reserve. I don't say audit, I say like you, let's abolish it.
1: You know, they uh the Federal Reserve uh reveals part of its uh evilness by resisting an audit and a true independent audit. And uh, of course uh, Ron Paul famously has tried to uh, get this to happen and at minimum it embarrasses them into uh fighting it tooth and nail. What are you guys trying to hide? You know, what about that gold? Do we really have it? <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> So, yeah, you you mentioned the Federal Reserve. You know, 1913, I've argued in front of my students on occasion, is um, the the poorest understood worst year in American history because three bad things happened. One, you had the Federal Reserve authorized. uh, That was like on December 24th when uh, the the American people who didn't really – uh, to the extent they knew anything, they opposed a European Central Bank. But here they pass it at midnight on uh, Christmas Eve. Yeah. Federal Reserve, you, and then you had the uh, income tax on uh, business and personal incomes. Uh, and then you have the um, uh, direct election of U.S. senators, which seems like a, a minor thing. But uh, until then... Senators were delegates by state legislatures, and that meant they were uh, a, a subject to immediate recall when the legislators, uh, legislature majority uh, found that they were incompetent or uh, uh, not acting in the best interest of the state. So it's a, a, a kind of a component of states' rights and decentralized political power. Uh, So once you have direct election, of course, all the the campaign money can come across borders big time. But when you're just a delegate, that's a different um, prestige and uh, influence status than it is today where U.S. senators are thought to be a big, big deal.
0: Most of them would be recalled if we still had that, that, the, the way we used to do it in the past.
1: I think so. Yeah. You you know, I used to think, well, maybe this whole emphasis on state and local governments and uh, it being closer to the people isn't as important because I personally follow uh, much more closely national events. That's my thing. But it is true that uh, especially local governments, counties, 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 you know, which are, are really established by the, the state governments as uh, administrative subdivisions. They acquire a, a certain local power because they are close to the people, and and uh, you this and decentralizing aspect uh, is, is powerful. Once you've got uh, a government down at the county level, much less the city or township level. So and uh, the politicians have got to live with those conditions too. So there's a lot of uh, good aspects of this, and that's why this uh, switch to direct election by U.S. senators uh, was a maybe a third rank of these bad things that happened. But still, it's it's another important. centralizing uh, evil that uh, led to so many of our troubles today. If you
0: and I were to enter Fort Knox today, what would we find?
1: Oh, wouldn't that be great? Yes. Let's do that Mel. <laughs> <laughs> it's our money. Isn't that the government? They say, Hey, these are your state parks or these are your national parks. So you enjoy them, but don't, uh, you know, litter, et cetera. Well, yeah, well, they aren't going to show us that, are they? Yeah, which makes it all the more suspicious. So, uh that you know, there's so many uh you you mentioned at the outset about uh, government lying and that's uh my initial uh belief. Of course, on any controversial issue which I wouldn't have said that uh, 20 years ago as recently as 20 years ago, but now we, anything that's uh, important or suspicious, you know the government is lying. I visited, for example, uh, Roswell, New Mexico, because we were on a, an RV trip. This was uh, maybe a year ago, uh, late winter i never been there. And they had this wonderful museum. And at, at the outset, uh, they, they have a sign that says this was established by three businessmen. It has no connection with government. So I said, ah, I, I'm going to give them a break and maybe respect some of the evidence they show me about what happened back in uh, July 1947 or didn't happen. And I thought for sure I would uh, get enough uh, information from uh, that visit, and there were lots of fascinating things there. But uh, I never uh, really did make up my mind about whether this was a a setup event uh, on this ranch 30 miles outside of Roswell or – and, you know, they're very – there's a, a book by uh, Mary Bennett and David S. Percy called dark moon, Apollo and the whistleblowers and what they argue. And I just don't know enough to really post an article about it. They argue that something happening, happened, uh, a real UFO event happened. Uh, I believe it was in Corona, New Mexico and not, not, uh, this ranch. Um, it was mostly North of uh, Roswell. Right. And, and uh so hey uh, but but the point is it was very clear the government was lying because it would uh, change its story uh oh every 12 to 24 hours you know they were covering up but what were they covering up uh <laughs> So uh, that's just one example. I know the government was lying about it because you could see these reversals uh, in the, the displays, the evidence displayed. And they, they deposed a lot of people, by the way, uh, in, in connection with this whole event, or what, a non event for all we know uh, near Roswell, but uh, uh, a distraction um, uh, uh, perhaps to cover up uh, the real event. Well, not
0: only that, but as you say, they changed their stories to the point that they really thought the American people were stupid. And I'm saying this because years later, they said it was crash test dummies. But crash test dummies hadn't been invented when this whole (laughs) event happened. And, you know, you would think that those who are creating these fake stories would think that in the future, people would figure it out.
1: Well, okay. Um, and remember the weather balloon story right. and uh yeah the uh let me give you an example of this the way um people in government think even if they're uh, good souls i thought of okay you have uh, like in the US Department of Labor uh during my stint there of course they have a public information office well these are the spinners right <laughs> I'm talking to one of the uh the gals there, and we're all political appointees. You know, the 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 uh, uh, a monster bureaucracy by like the US uh Department of Labor has sixteen or seventeen thousand employees, uh most of which are uh bureaucrats, long term civil servants type. Uh but at the top there are people who are political appointees. And you get to change those as you come in uh, after an election. And uh, so I'm a political appointee as chief economist. Uh, this gal is too. And I said, you know, why don't – I can't even remember what the issue was. But I said, you know, why don't we just tell the truth about this one? Because uh, it, it it's not going to have any, any um, real negative uh, kickback. And it sets up uh, us for the long run. I was always frustrated with the Republicans because, uh, as uh, contrasted with leftists, they don't uh, really play a long run game. The leftists will start out with some uh, cultural or political or economic issue. You think this is absurd. They're never going to get this done. But they keep on chipping away and they get it done. Okay, But she says her response is, "Oh." Nobody's going to remember tomorrow what we uh, said yesterday. Oh, well, no, wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> this kind of uh, fudging the truth, it adds up. People, uh, you know, they, they, they're going to just say, hey, I can't trust anything they say, which uh, probably is, a <laughs> is where we all are, is being more realistic about government. The, the, the You know, it, it, that's one of the things that – uh, public polls show is a a rapid decline in in confidence in government.
0: Since we're talking about – oh, go ahead, finish your statement.
1: Yeah, my my, uh, uh, tag-along, tag-on thought there was uh, Donald Trump said one thing as a candidate and now as president, what he's matured and cheered by the neocons. And uh, this is a complete betrayal. Uh, Supposedly his base, Trump's base – Uh, hasn't noticed or or doesn't care. But this is not going to succeed long run. Well,
0: when I think of that, I think that if you get to that position of power and there's an embedded, call it shadow government, government behind the government, whatever you want to call it, who really calls the shots, I don't think that would allow him to, I mean, yes, he got us out of the TPP, which is great, and he's done some good stuff, but there's some others like the perpetuation of war you know those are the things that he he said that he was going to stop and it seems that he's going back as you said the neocon way
1: yeah exactly i i agree with you uh, to hit on the war and peace issue uh i gave up on him uh with the afghanistan decision now you can be a cynic the the only uh, way you could uh i could approve would be OK, he's given the generals what they want, which I, I don't think he, he really gave them the blank check they want in Afghanistan. But let's assume it. he's uh, he's one step ahead of them in that he's going to uh, come back in two or three years and say, look, this has failed completely. Now I am going to uh, withdraw because we lost our original um, – uh, motive or uh, we, we, there's no reason for us to continue we, it's an unwinnable uh, situation and uh, in other words he turns around ultimately and now he's got the w- political wherewithal to fly right now that doesn't address your point though however that the deep state is in charge when really push comes to shove and uh, I do believe that he, uh, Trump is aware that his life is on the line, or that of his children and grandchildren, and uh, so. But I, I, wonder about that. After we've uh, burned a trillion dollars, killed a couple hundred thousand Afghani's, or some, on nobody knows, but it's going to be a, a, a huge toll. Uh, well, so, you, know, you know, you know that saying:
0: once weapons were manufactured to fight wars. Now wars are manufactured to sell weapons. As long as there's profit-driven activity anywhere, we'll call it big pharma, call it war, call it, you know, the war for drugs instead of war on drugs, status quo will remain the same.
1: Yeah, it's it's, um, discouraging now, isn't it, Mel? Yeah, the... Uh, the military-industrial complex, you know, the whole Lockheed, uh, the Martin, uh, Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, you name it, it is, uh, SAIC, Scientific Applications, uh, International Corp., that, that's part of the whole 9-11 thing. But, uh, yeah, what are you going to do? I mean, uh, uh, I write on my blog, for example, that's one way I can help. Uh, point out a lot of these things. Take a look. I have one article on my blog, for example, that just looks at uh, defense expenditures in the nineties. Okay, at the uh, uh, remember we were going to get the big peace dividend after uh, nineteen ninety one collapse of the Soviet Union and the end of an aggressive, it was thought, aggressive international communist uh, menace. Well, what happened? Well, we we. we Bogged along, the, the defense spending actually was lower eight years later uh, than in nominal dollars. And in real dollars, of course, it, uh, it had shrunk. So it was very clear they needed a new enemy. Lo and behold, you know, the, the PNAC, uh, the... the, the, the
0: Project for PNAC. a New American Century.
1: Yeah. Project. Thank you, Mel. Uh, Project for a new American century. Okay. In the absence of uh, a new Pearl Harbor type event, uh, we're probably not going to get this uh, uh, new century of American hegemony, uh, not only in global, but uh, in deep space.
0: Now, I want to pick your brain on something that I've been pondering for quite some time. And everybody looks at North Korea as this boogeyman. I mean, we haven't been talking about Iran lately, which I find strange. But it's North Korea, North Korea, North Korea. But in my opinion, correct me if I'm wrong, I look at China as the target there. Because I think that China wants to, they want to have the, the, the they want to be the leader of being the foreign reserve currency in the future. And that's why I think they're unloading the Treasuries they went for I think from one point three trillion to one point one, and now Japan is number one, I think, but they they wonder you want to go up, they want to be number one. Do you think this is the real bullsightders in China and not North Korea?
1: Hey, uh, on North Korea, have you seen this one um, picture? I guess it's a satellite picture, and it shows it's a nighttime on the Korean Peninsula. And I assume it's for real. But you see, South Korea all lit up. Oh, yeah, of course. North Korea is mostly dark. Well, that tells you something. How big a threat are they to, um, you know, America? This th- that, It looks like a completely phony threat. And uh, Kim Il-sung, or uh, however his name is, uh, sorry, Kim, uh, is spelled and pronounced, uh, is a uh, – Defensive guy because, hey, he looks around the world and he says uh, if you don't hut to and salute uh, the American commands, they might just uh, overturn your government. So I need a a nuclear weapon to uh, deter this. So it makes a certain amount of uh, sense if you think deterrence uh, works and there's something to it. Uh, Now, what game is – you're pointing to China – uh, it reminds me about uh what the neocons say you know the uh the little boys want to go uh, to Tehran but the big boys want to uh oh, uh Baghdad Baghdad I, I got that uh inverted there uh mm-hmm. little boys want to go to Baghdad and the big boys want to go to Tehran right mm-hmm. and and you know Iran is People don't – it's three times the size of California for openers. You know, it's an immense, uh, mostly mountainous country. And you're going to go in there and uh, conquer them? Homie, don't think so. You know, yeah. so, oh, no, we're going to do it with drones at little – it's just – it's so easy to get into a war now, isn't it? Especially when uh, uh, war is going to make money for important people. And, but it's hard to end them. Look at look – at, oh, no. Comment about uh, – now, China is an ambitious government and people. And uh, – they're, they're, but they're, there is no need to uh, risk war with uh, other big um, and productive peoples.
0: But don't you think that if they – look at their balance sheets. You know, I'm looking at how they were planning to be, number one, business power by 2020. And it already happened in 2016, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Oh, you mean now what? The highest GDP? Exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: Exactly. And looking at the way they're racing their, their, their yuan, don't they want to be the world's global currency? Therefore, I mean, you remember years ago when Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa were... Joining forces to have this basket of currency called BRICS, and all of a sudden yeah. nobody talks about it anymore.
1: What happened? Uh, BRICS that was a uh, media created uh, hype. There, China is also uh, a, a, a bit of a fake economy. You know, you talk about being um, flying on, on phony money. That's part of the yuan uh, problem. Uh, would be the acceptability of that money versus the U S dollar still, uh, even though it, remember this is just kind of, uh, who is the tallest midget in the room? I mean, the dollar is, is still standing tall, uh, partly because of our historic, uh, respect for private property. And, uh, this, we're still the largest economy in the world and blah, blah, blah. But now I got to address not only you, but, um, the president on this question of uh, running deficits on our your balance of trade, yep. you know, the, uh, the big objection to oh they've stolen all of our industry. Well, here's the problem: we uh, we uh, right up through Nixon, we didn't run chronic uh, trade uh, imbalances or, or trade deficits, and. The, the reason is that gold is an automatic balancing uh, mechanism. Now we don't have that because of all these uh, central banks. Eh, nearly every economy in the world, no matter how small, has a central bank, uh, a, a counterfeiter, you know, money printer. Because if, you, if you're on a gold standard and you're running a deficit, that means your gold is outflowing. Okay, and that'll uh, bring down your prices and price level and uh, raise your competitiveness. And on the contrary, but when you don't allow real money flows, you don't get these corrections. It's an automatic, so it's like uh, so many things, all these government interventions um, short circuit or cut the cord to market corrections. You got to let market corrections work. Take what what happened. Look at our meltdown in 08, 09. Okay. Now I'm I'm in, not in favor of booms that inevitably uh, inevitably lead to a bust. But you should let the if it's going to happen, let the bust work. Okay. It'll be over in 12, 18 months. Markets can correct. That's what they're about. So why do we keep bailing out
0: banks and insurance companies and all you know yeah. automotive companies? Why then?
1: It's crony capitalism. Right. It's a corruption. Yeah, it's the big money people. Uh, in fact, I was looking at one of my articles here about uh, JFK and 9/11 uh, a little while ago, and you've you've got the the situation where. David Rockefeller, you know, ran the uh, Chase Bank, which was a big oil bank. And now we've got Chase Morgan. So you had the House of Morgan and the Rockefellers uh, finally merged. They, they were rivals on on some issues, not on having a Federal Reserve. So you've uh, – you, the oh, man, I lost my thought. Now, the, uh, the The – because of the Rockefeller involvement with uh, big oil. Oh, they – okay, here's the thought. I've recovered it. TARP, you remember TARP? Of course. Okay. Uh, The Chase Bank got $25 billion of TARP bailout money. And uh, one of the Chase bankers was overheard uh, to say – you know, we don't really need this, but this sure can help us in our acquisition program. <laughs> so, they're just part of the uh the power elite and they're they're, they're going to get theirs.
0: Can we safely say? I mean, of course, we don't know precisely unless you have a list of who really owns the Federal Reserve. And when people hear that term own the Federal Reserve, they say, "But wait a minute, Morgan Mel." The Federal Reserve is a federal agency. With uh, you know all the this money, well, they have neither. No, it's not federal, and they don't have any reserves. Yeah. But yeah. all these banks—Wells Fargo, Bank of America, now Chase—I think those are the three big ones that are standing now. They must be part uh, owners of the Federal Reserve. These people, in my opinion, rule the United States, and anywhere else it has a central bank around the world.
1: Hey, okay, I saw an interview. Uh there with the uh, the CNBC guy who's the economics guy Steve whatever his name is he's interviewing William Dudley who is the president of the uh, the New York branch of the Federal Reserve which is of course the financial center of the world yet and he's talking about how um yeah this this hurricane damage will ultimately lift the economy so they're not going to change their uh, quarterly forecasts very much and uh this is the uh, uh window breaking fallacy that french economist bastiat wrote about uh in the 1840s uh you know destruction of your capital stock <laughs> and your infrastructure is a good thing uh it's, 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 it's complete nonsense but okay where 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 did he come from goldman sachs he worked as a chief economist for Goldman Sachs for over two decades, and who's on his board? Goldman Sachs, <laughs> J.P. Morgan Chase, etc. Right. So they they have a monthly meeting. Uh, They're on the inside, so it's it's very open.
0: Do you think there's still a government of the people when you have this revolving door, not only? When it comes to economics, I mean, you mentioned the hurricanes. I think this is disaster capitalism at its best. Look what happened in in, uh, Houston, Florida, and then now you have this hurricane. When when this show airs, who knows where Jose would have landed, but it's making these 360-degree turns, I mean, 180-degree turns, and it's going back almost as if it's being mechanized, steered, and, and and left in certain places for a prolonged period of time, which in my opinion, I'm not a meteorolo- meteorologist, but a hurricane moves. It does not stay for three days, just like, and I know you've interviewed Dr. Judy Wood, uh, where the, the towers go? And by the way, folks, we're just jumping around because that's you know, the area of research for,
1: Hey, the, there's connection. Exactly.
0: Here. You remember, you, yeah, I presume you have read the book, where did the towers go? Most people don't know there was a hurricane standing east of New York city for days. Hurricane mm-hmm. Aaron and the media hardly even discussed that.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I came across a uh, scholar physicist named uh, James McCaney. I don't know if you've heard of him, but, uh, uh, no. I, I was Im- impressed with – Alex Jones interviewed him the other day, and uh, what uh, McCaney – he's got an MS in physics, at least, in terms of degree. What he argues uh, is that uh, mm-hmm. satellites via lasers can um, steer storms. Some of the, and these storms uh the hurricanes that we 're talking about uh, de- develop off the west coast of Africa, but he says warm water has nothing to do with it it these are electrical phenomena he didn't say they were uh, uh, electromagnetic but um, and you it, can he made breakthroughs in the nineties in particular working with uh his, some counterparts in russia and not only can you steer these things uh with the technology they've got he claims um but you can also uh change the sizes of these things so uh the reason this has some plausibility i can't speak with authority because i don't know enough about the physics but they've got uh he argues uh, the one reason I've, I find it plausible is that the military, for many decades, did research on weather modification because they want to weaponize weather. Weather is so important in uh, uh, military conflicts. So if you can uh, outmaneuver your uh, your opponent, uh, that works very well. But the problem then is, are, are these governments going to use uh, this on their own population? So this McC- James McCaney is uh, very frustrated. He said, I did this because you could steer uh, hurricanes into the mid-Atlantic where they would do little or no harm. But now they're, they're steering them uh, to do... Ma- maximum damage he claimed in Florida but they messed it up to a certain extent uh, they they didn't get uh, all they wanted now my, I was talking to my wife about this and she says well what would be the motive you know they didn't dwell on that very much but here would be my uh, bottom line uh, fear fear F-E-A-R church and state depend on fear okay we're and what they say is we're going to offer you comfort we're going to we're, uh, we're going to save you okay and you see this big time right that uh the victims of uh hurricanes um uh, rely on government to a certain extent uh, as well as open-hearted uh, charity and and uh, emergency uh, private groups and so on but uh fear uh inspired, fear you can get people look look at 911 right look at how much uh, mileage they've gotten out of 911 uh so i don't know uh i'm i'm endorsing this uh, mildly i'm saying to me there's something to it you can't have all this secret military uh research on issues like this that can help them. And, and, oh, they they brought up another interesting point, which I have not um, researched yet. But supposedly there was a UN, this would be like 2003 or so, uh, a UN uh, uh, treaty proposed, which uh, most governments in the world uh, voted to endorse, but not the U.S., regarding weaponization of weather. And supposedly on record, the U.S. government uh, objected to the clause that uh, would prohibit uh, use of uh, weather weaponization against your own population. So I don't know if I was put in for drama or not. I'm, it's like full I say, full spectrum
0: I've, dominance by the year 2020.
1: So there you go, full spectrum.
0: And you yeah. know, looking at these hurricanes, you know, for anybody who's a weather geek if you had been following these hurricanes, especially, let's, let's begin with Harvey. Usually when I look at a radar, I see the weather systems moving, you know, from east to west or west to east, above the United States, for example. You see these green patches moving. And when I looked at Harvey, for the longest time, you saw these green patches emanating from a specific area. And I started looking into it, and I found that there were industrial plants that were emitting a lot of vapor and we have heard that NASA has facilities in in uh, Alabama I believe that they are in the middle of nowhere hundred and fifty thousand acres in the middle of nowhere and they pretend to be researching rockets when in reality they have just you know tons of vapor coming out of there that creates weather patterns everywhere else and it rains in Mississippi or in Florida but anyway mm-hmm. regarding Texas I saw these you know, emanating green little things on the computer. And the same thing happens west of Africa. Almost if something tells me that there's something in one of these countries in West Africa that creates all these vapors, that create something that is going to be moved west. And this is the precursors of what we now call hurricanes coming to the Caribbean.
1: Yeah, it could be. Uh, deserves further investigation on my part, to be sure. But it just shows, uh, to go back to our uh, original uh, discussion regarding government lying, yeah, I think there's something uh, amiss here. So uh, I'm I'm just not as well informed on the weather topic as I would be on on some of the others we've discussed thus far.
0: Well, that's fine. And I'm just thinking back in 1992 when I went through Hurricane Andrew, immediately Mm -hmm. after that hurricane happened. And, of course, you know, a lot of people suffered. And there were billions of dollars, the biggest natural disaster ever, you know, that happened in the United States. But I remember the insurance premiums. They skyrocketed, and it's incredible how much people pay now for hurricane insurance in Florida. So if you have a mortgage, you have to endure that. So that's a huge profit increase for the insurance industry. Now, you have all these hurricanes that are approaching now. Same thing is going to happen.
1: Yes. uh, uh, But, uh, of course, the insurance companies uh, can't um, stay in business if they're really in business independently, um, unless they can uh, price uh, those risks accurately, so I'm in favor of that. Uh, but the the real problem, is, you know, one of the reasons that Houston, for example, um, suffered so much under this Harvey is because of subsidized flood insurance. Right. People people don't have. Um, uh, we don't have market pricing that uh, really tells people, uh, is this a good place to locate or not? And uh, David Stockman, uh, the, the famous Reagan appointee of, of years ago, and there's a brilliant guy. He had an article recently where he also uh, pinned part of the blame on the Houston Ship Channel, which is uh, f- uh, 50 miles inland from the Gulf. And uh, we, we've got to have a deep uh water port here well that that's uh maybe not going to be a good idea in the event of one of these these hurricanes which are going to come around so uh subsidies aren't, aren't a real uh solution now the the real problem though is what as you raised it uh before I did i think about steering these things and controlling these things and that that was uh, one of the issues uh, with 9/11, where Dr. Wood brought uh, forward, "Hey, look at this hurricane thing here." Now she doesn't directly uh, claim that the energy to uh, turn the twin towers to find dust uh, was provided by Aaron, but the 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 point is that. Uh, there was this peculiar behavior that a straight line uh, up from the Carolinas, this hurricane, and nobody ever mentioned it. Well, there was some mentioning of this thing. Uh, it turned quickly almost a right angle right. out to sea. But
0: well, perhaps you needed a static field.
1: There's things to uh, that need investigation here by independent thinkers. By the way, not to get too political, but, you know, I remember
0: back in 1989 when Hurricane Hugo Hugo hit the Caribbean, I was working for a company called Dunham & Bradstreet, so I had to go and audit businesses. And I remember going there after the disaster and seeing how many businesses were underground, not because of the hurricane, but because of looting. And the only businesses that stood strong were the people who went on top of the roofs with weapons, defending their property. And I thought, this is the right thing to do. Try to call 911 during a hurricane if you're lucky to have a phone. Nobody's oh, yeah. going to show up. But now, this year, they did that in the Virgin Islands. They actually went door to door to the registered gun owners, to re- and they confiscated guns and ammo. What's your take on that?
1: Well, I'm and Katrina, too, by it. the way. I'm in favor of armed citizens, yeah. Yeah, right, they, right, they, but, re, but removing,
0: confiscating—they did that during Katrina to all legal, registered gun owners. They didn't well, know where the criminals had killed. their guns, but they right. didn't know where the legal, you know, owners were.
1: I know that's one of the uh, problems with concealed carry licenses. For example, right? The uh, the authorities know I have guns, <laughs> but, but <laughs> my question is, why would they be
0: confiscating guns? At a time when citizens would need them the most, because first responders, police, and so on, will not be able to respond in a timely fashion. Why do they do that?
1: Uh, well, um, it's more government bad policy. The question is, what, what are the motives, right? Uh, keep the sheeple sheeple, right? You're, you're stripping uh, citizens of their uh, right of self-defense, which is, uh, so fundamental. Right. We grant this to animals, really self-defense. Right. It's just right. And you're taking away the primary tool. Yeah. When you, you talked about, uh, yeah. Um, armed defense of businesses uh, against looters. Well, yeah, I remember when the uh, the L.A. riots were happening. Was that in the must have been in the 60s? Right. Well, and then uh, again, in 92. Uh yeah, maybe it was one of these more recent incidents, but <clears throat> you had uh, Korean uh, shop owners, et cetera, and when uh, you see them uh, patrolling up <clears throat> on the second uh, floor, storage, exactly, uh, that is a deterrent now, isn't it? Well, isn't
0: that proof that these were the only businesses that survived because they were able to exercise their right mm-hmm. to 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 bear arms? At
1: the right time. Right. Yeah, you know, I saw, saw some news item, but I really didn't give it any any thought. I said, well, this is typical. Was this the U.S. or the British Virgin
0: Islands, by the way? I'll, the U.S. Okay. Virgin Islands.
1: Oh, St. Thomas,
0: St. Croix, St. John. mm No, the, others, the other ones have, it's outlawed to have guns there just like it is in Europe. mm But anyway, I don't need to spend time on this. We have so many topics to discuss. Uh, Let's start talking about NASA and the moon, and then we'll get it on the other side after we come back from the break. But let's just, we have about five minutes. NASA calls the Van Allen Belt an impenetrable barrier in space. Morgan, if that's the case, how did they penetrate it six times then? (laughs)
1: yeah on the trips to the moon um, right yeah I guess uh, we had Apollo 13 that they engineered to have um, a a terrible time of it right Right. and uh, real cold out there in space even though uh, you got full sunlight unimpeded sunlight but impenetrable well this would be an admission um, against interest as the lawyers would put it now wouldn't it be because uh, all you have to say, hey, wait a minute, how did they uh, uh, send that man to the moon and uh, return him safely, right? And uh, uh, you know what? I had, I was just looking at a link of mine where I was, I referenced some uh, Orion uh, scientist employed by NASA, in which he admitted. I I don't know if it was just an innocent admission or what, but he said, we don't have the radiation protection we'd need to uh, manage a a mission to Mars. Right. And, okay, that would take a year with the current technology they're talking about. But um, the whole radiation is the number one problem uh, for trying to verify a landing on the moon it just didn't happen none of them happened so for example the, what you've got is uh you mentioned the van allen belt which is uh considered to be about two uh, but it goes out as much as fifty thousand miles that's uh that's what makes the earth in a uh such a sweet spot right the earth benefits of uh, but uh, as a as a A life-giving planet Uh, so it's it's loaded with radiation Uh, that's why they can only uh, do low earth orbits what they've done for uh, nearly 50 years that's all they've done okay Uh, you that's one source one of the um, uh, damaging um, sources then you have in just in general You have galactic cosmic rays. They're all over the place. There's micrometeorites as well and uh, meteorites. And then you've got, guess what? The sun. We used to call it, uh, well, now they call it solar particle emissions, SPEs. Uh, It's just flares, flares, where the sun just spews out uh, enormous amounts of radiation And in this book that I mentioned earlier, Dark Moon, by the two British authors, they point out that uh, during the Apollo missions, uh, and I think here they're talking about the six uh, that actually claimed to be uh, uh, moon landings, there were 16.9 sun flares or solar particle events uh, per day, per day. This is tremendous stuff. And all they've got is uh, these, these uh, spacesuits that were actually made by Playtex. <laughs> they know how to sew uh, good-looking things together, Playtex. You know, the, they got no, prote- no protection. There's no atmosphere protecting uh, the, the Apollo astronauts on the moon. So the radiation is the showstopper. And some uh, scientists have uh, pointed this out. But the trouble with so much of this, uh, uh, the engineering and physical science community traces back to government. They are very dependent on government for licensing, certification, and money. And this has corrupted the universities. And it puts the old men... Uh, in the uh, profession, in charge of who g- gets what, and guess what? They're not going to be the innovators. They're going to defend uh, their quote breakthroughs of 30 years ago, right? So the whole the whole thing is upside down. It's like one of my uh, oceanography friends is they, he said about the universities. It's a system in which the old exploit the young.
0: You know, I'm just thinking of the temperature differentials. Being when there's sunlight hitting the moon, the temperature can hit 253 degrees or 123 Celsius. And when the dark side of the moon or the far side, you know, it can have temperatures dipping to minus 243 or 153 yeah. Celsius. The spacesuits did not have any kind of protection, No, no gold around them to protect the the astronauts. The the capsule did not. The Hasselblad camera did not. And the differential between cold and hot would have just completely disabled the rolls of film. It's, for anybody who continues to say, we definitely went to the moon, at least they should be able to get answers to these fundamental questions.
1: There's so many things wrong, of course, with the... uh... The moon landing, uh, prob- the hoax—it's—it's it's a hoax. You know, it's just—and you know, I've written on this and actually had a couple of pieces uh, about this on the Lou Rockwell.com, mm-hmm. uh, biggest libertarian website in the world—and it was amazing to me. You can uh, point out, hey, the JFK uh, assassination was a. a, a plot, LBJ basically is the, hey, who benefits, you know, cui bono, LBJ, et cetera, and yet he's not a, not the, the, the main suspect. Okay, you got you can write on that, you can write on, uh, oh, Pearl Harbor, okay, that FDR uh, and his henchmen uh, basically arranged and pressured the Japanese into attacking.
0: No, hold on, her. hold right there, because we have to break the two segments, and you basically giving us the talking points of what's coming next, folks. We have more of the Apollo moon landings that were faked. In my opinion, there were a $150 billion swindle on mankind, especially the United States taxpayer. JFK assassination lies. We're talking about false flags and the history of initiation of war. Power Harbor, we discussed this before, was quote-unquote arranged by FDR and company. More lies of 9-11, 16 years after and the current Trump contretemps, We need to discuss this because there seems to be A coup d'etat happening slowly I got some news today saying that they're trying To poison President Trump He loves to drink diet soda And they're giving him too much And we all know what NutraSweet And Aspartame can do to your brain But all of this when we come back How can people learn more about your work Professor Reynolds
1: Go to my blog Blog means you can comment critically or uh, maybe on the plus side. It's nomoregames.net. nomoregames.net. Folks,
0: much more with Professor Morgan Reynolds when we come back. Hopefully you'll meet me in the members section. This is Mel Fabregas, and you are listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first part of this very important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our archive material, Go to the member section or subscribe at VeritasRadio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for great products, including pure organic sulfur, rebounders, turmeric, and more. Thank you.